It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. Welcome once again, everybody, to another Tucson Means Business. We are going to meet some interesting people today. And of course, the show brought to you by the one and only 49ers Golf and Country Club here in Tucson. Tucson's hidden gem, both from a golf course point of view and the fabulous Rincon Grill that now features the brand new executive chef, Mackenzie Taylor, who is also the food and beverage manager. And boy, that place has turned around like you wouldn't believe. It was already good, but people are now raving, okay? So keep it in mind, you're visiting Tucson or you live here. Get out there more and enjoy it. It's wonderful. Okay, I got three very interesting guests today. Um, yeah, I'd call them interesting, well and truly. My first is a fellow by the name of Clint Parry. He has a passion for business growth and personal development. In his current role as a business development manager for Focus HR, he helps small business owners accelerate their growth through HR outsourcing. And... Uh, it's a big welcome, Clint, to Tucson Means Business. Well, thanks, Mark. Appreciate you having well, us. All right. You, you're, uh, you've got a company that's uh, creating waves here in town. It's getting some great results for people. So we're going to find out exactly what you're doing in that world, because it is different out there today what it was yesterday. And uh, yes. clients are looking for people that have got more skills than ever, haven't they? Just about. Yeah, well, they're just having a hard time finding people, period. They're having a hard time. <laughs> Tim Medkoff, well, he's co-managing partner with Farhang and Medkoff. Uh, they're... Uh, one of the echelons of law firms here in Tucson, managing partner, um, a highly reputable law firm. He grew up really in a biracial household in Alaska. And I don't meet people from Alaska every day originally, and where his parents stressed the importance of education. Is that right, Tim? They certainly did, which is why I decided to get multiple degrees instead of just one. All right. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Raymond, how are your degrees doing? Oh, not so many degrees. <laughs> but it's a pleasure to be here. Well, welcome, Tim, and welcome, Ray. Now, this gentleman, Raymond, he is a, a hypnotist instructor, a hypnotist instructor, I should say, mm -hmm. a consulting hypnotist, and a certified hypnosis instructor, and a therapist. That's better, isn't it? Yes. I get those real mixed up <laughs> We're going to dive into those. Uh, you have to promise me, May, that you're not going to, you know, put us all under uh, some sort of a spell. No, that's quite all right. Have us dancing around <laughs> like chooks or one another, you know, those types of things. Welcome, gentlemen, on a muggy day in Tucson because it's now monsoon time, isn't it? It sure is. Right. Except we're not getting much rain, are we? No. Always use more. Not getting a lot, but we could always use more. My word, we could. Clint, your career actually began at uh, Xerox Corporation. Huge corporation, aren't they? Uh, you helped grow Xerox's document outsourcing services business there by adding over $4 million in annual recurring revenue. Was that a sales and marketing role, or uh, do you see it as something different? Yeah, it really was a sales and marketing role. Of course, in some ways, it was really about helping companies uh, really find, kind of looking at sort of a business process outsourcing uh, sort of approach. So, you know, we were there to try to uh, help them find a better way of managing the masses of amounts of paper that they had flowing through their organization. And so that was really my entree into the uh, whole outsourcing world. Okay. 
Must have been uh, Xerox. I mean, they were a huge corporation. Yeah, a massive corporation. Of course, I was here in Tucson, so we had a you know, decent sized operation, but uh, the global organization. But uh, amazing company to start a career with. Uh, phenomenal training. They're really world renowned for their training, and so I was really blessed to have that opportunity. You left uh, Xerox, though. It must have been for a pretty good reason. I did. I, I had one of those uh, entrepreneurial seizures, I think that's what they're called, um, and decided to strike out on my own. Um, started a, a bought a, actually a business coaching franchise called Action Coach, and uh, had that uh, license uh, franchise here for five years. So coached um, dozens of different business owners, hundreds of business owners, really, if you look at the total right. over that five year period. And so mm-hmm. had it was a great uh, great opportunity, great run, and just learned a fortune. I guess you would have, because these are all stepping stones to where you are now. I think it was over 300 or something business owners that I yeah. researched. That's a lot of people. What was your role then at Lappin International before Focus? And what do you think you learned from working with the execs of these Fortune 500 companies? Yeah, so it was quite a different role um, because he, uh, Action Coach, I was working with small business owners. And at Lappin, I was working with executives of Fortune 500 companies. And so quite a different um uh, role and uh, different experience altogether, but you know it's interesting. You know, biz- big businesses are just small businesses growing up. They still have a lot of the same issues, whether right. or not, uh, just amplified and magnified uh, a lot of times. So, mm-hmm. uh, for my opportunity there, it was really to work in the world of uh, HR. Worked with a lot of HR leaders uh, in uh, leadership development, uh, strategy consulting, executive coaching. So that really got me heavily exposed to the HR world. Right. I'd say. I'd say it would. Well, something a little different here. You enjoyed working as a columnist for Inside Tucson Business on the Daily Star. It's a bit of journalistic work there. I did. I mean, uh, that was at my action coach uh, days uh, where I had an opportunity to write. And I really enjoyed that because it was just working with a lot of business owners and, and different range of topics. So that gave me a chance to write about it talk about it and hopefully add some value to the to the business community. Well, I might mention here too that uh, as well that Clint was recognized as one of Tucson's 40 under 40, holds a bachelor's degree in business from BYU and an MBA from the University of Arizona's Ella School of Business. You proud of all that brain stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do my best. No, it's, uh, it's not uh, great. Yeah, great opportunities. Enjoy the, the time there at the universities and just love now uh, actually activating that in real life and I love the game of business. Well, there you do. You better love that to be in it the way you are. I mean, uh, it's another world, right? Different from your world, isn't yes, it? Yes, a little bit. Slightly. <laughs> but you're gifted in another way, my friend, which is <laughs> helping people. Uh, Tim Medkoff, uh, as I mentioned, is the managing partner of Farhang and uh, Medkoff. Uh, first in your family to attend college, Tim. Yes, I was. Uh, it was mm. something that my parents instilled in me at a very young age. My my father enlisted in the army and met my mother in Vietnam during the conflict and right. uh, brought her back over to the States. I was born shortly thereafter. And at a very young age, both of my parents instilled in me the importance of getting a good education. Neither of them had um, got much of an education. My mother only a couple years of formal school and my dad like to joke, he barely graduated from high school. So mm-hmm. um, they uh, they instilled that at an early age and I pursued it aggressively and it's opened a lot of doors for me and give me an opportunity to make a difference and give back to our community. Well, you um, you know, you're, you're motivating uh, studiers at the moment who could listen to this show. And I mean, you earned a BA uh, cum laude, right, from uh, UCLA and a JD cum laude from the University of Arizona. JD? 
The law degree. Juris. Juris uh, doctorate. Juris doctorate. That's right. I couldn't think of it. Congratulations, Tim. You've, you've done well for yourself. Through dedication and hard work, you started and expanded your law firm while striking a fine balance between work and family. Uh, I mean, that's amazing to do all of that. The firm reflects Tim's belief that clients deserve representation to the fullest extent of an attorney's abilities. So we're uh, raising a young family at the same time. Must have been a challenge. It was, but you know. uh, it was a conscious decision that I wanted to start my own firm, be my own business, run my own business with a good friend of mine. It helps when you got a good business partner that has your back. Uh, and I've been fortunate to marry up both professionally as well as personally. Mm-hmm. And that makes it a lot easier when you've got that support. And for me, it was about being involved in the community, being able to make a difference uh, and support charities and then be involved with my kids' lives. I, I was at a big law firm for 10 plus years. It was a great place to learn. Much like Clint, I got a lot of training. Mm-hmm. And the firm invested a lot of money in me and taught me how to practice law the right way the first time. But for me, I looked around at my law firm. A lot of people were divorced, uh, weren't happy. They were working too many hours and right. not enjoying the finer things in life. I spent a year abroad in Scotland and was able to experience life overseas and they have a different way of approaching things. And I. That stuck with me when I came over here uh, Mm. or came back to the States, I should say. And so I wanted to be involved with my kids, remain happily married to uh, my wife, which I am now, at least as far as I know. Right. Well, you are for this hour anyway. (laughs) Um, You grew up in Kenai, is it K-E-N-A-I? Pronounced Kenai. Kenai. Yeah, Kenai, Alaska. In Alaska, right. I've never been there yet, but I imagine a lot of people have. It's a very popular place, isn't it, to go, Alaska? It's a great place to go fishing Mm -hmm. and the outdoors. What was that like for you growing up there? So for me, it was uh, it was home. Uh, yep. I loved it. I didn't know any better because uh, that's the only thing I really remembered. Mm-hmm. And in the summer, it was great. My parents would basically say, you know, stay out till you're tired because it never <laughs> got dark. <laughs> well, there's always plenty of things to do, right? From fishing to hunting to all sorts of things. Exactly. Very good. Now, let's look at some fun facts about you. You did play college basketball at the University of Dundee. Yes. And that was in Scotland. Uh, now, you, you helped your mom to get her U.S. citizenship, right? Right. So. What did you do there? So uh, when my mother, uh, she, she came over here, she didn't speak very much English. Um, and so Vietnamese was actually my first language. And as I grew up and studied at school, she was trying to get her citizenship. Uh, so I actually helped her practice for that test by going over U.S. government issues and mm. presidents and things of that nature so that when she took the exam, she was better prepared. Very good. Good son. Good son. Sometimes. And you learned to ski after leaving Alaska, but you learned to golf after leaving Scotland. I yes. mean, that's a bit unusual. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> I've been fortunate and blessed to, to, to not be good at either one of them. A 45 King Salmon, though. You caught that. How, how thick was the line? Uh, you know, it was, I, I think the pound test for that line was about 30 pounds. It took me over an hour to land that bad boy. I was going to say, it was about as tall as I was mm-hmm. at the time. I was about 14 years old when I landed that fish. You're a humble man. You say you married above yourself, personally and professionally. Yes. Refresh my memory. If you would, uh, AV rated, AV rated, I know what it is, but I just got a mental block. What's an AV rated attorney? Basically, there's a outside company called Martindale Hubble that rates all attorneys. And you can either be CV rated, BV rated, or AV rated. AV is the top. So ABC, just like the grade. And V just stands for if you're ethical or not. Oh, well, it's nice to know we've got an ethical guy on the show. Very good. Because there are unethical lawyers, aren't there? 
I've, I've been told. You've been told. Very <laughs> diplomatic. Eh? You have defended business clients in cases involving insurance claims, labor and employment law. You specialize in personal injury, product liability and wrongful death litigation. Which is your favorite of those, if there is such a thing? I really enjoy the labor and employment area, much like Clint. Uh, working with small business owners to big business owners you know, is a passion of mine. Uh, I, I love doing it. It's very interesting. The law is changing. If, for instance, the American, uh, Arizona Medical Marijuana Act and the changes that that's had, if you'd asked me 15, 20 years ago when I started practicing yeah. law, am I going to know anything about marijuana? I would have told you no. Uh, yeah, amazing, so the, isn't it? The law has changed quite a bit. And so it's it's cutting edge. And then being able to work with small and, and bigger business owners about the issues that they face, it, it brings a lot of enjoyment uh, to me. My third guest today, Ray Yurchik. Yes. I got that right. What's the <laughs> origination there, buddy? That's Slovak. Slovak? Yes. I never would have picked that. <laughs> All right. So is there a story there at all to share with us? Uh, about being Slovak? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, Grew up I was in raised, told I was 100% Slovak. I don't think anyone's 100% anything, they, really. Yeah, right. But um, both of my parents were uh, first generation from Czechoslovakia, mm -hmm. um, but from the Slovak part, of course, which is now Slovakia. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, did get a chance to go over there in the 80s, and um, it was really quite nice. It was uh, very interesting. Uh, it was, it was communist at the time. Yeah. And uh, I thought the most interesting thing was, uh, as the guards, the custom agents were getting us through, they were asking for souvenirs, and we were all looking at each other like, we mm -hmm. just got here. How could we have souvenirs? Right. They wanted souvenirs. They wanted a pair of blue jeans, something to get us through quicker, and we had no idea. Oh, I see. <laughs> I was asking then, um, this must have been fascinating for you to go, literally go home for the first time. Yes. Yeah, it was you know, very interesting. Was uh, it what you expected? Um, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, a lot more normal than I thought would have thought. Mm -hmm. um, the police was a little bit different, um, more like they are here now with the grease guns and the, you know, okay. stuff like that. <laughs> um, I remember um, while we were traveling, we went into Venice and we we're in the Venice uh, train station. Me and my sister went alone and we're there and we're walking around and a Japanese lady comes over to us and asked us if we were the terrorist group. Ah. Like, we. We look around, we see the guy with the gun, we're like, oh my God, no. She's like, I'm the terrorist guide. I'm looking for the terrorist group. <laughs> and it was just just a matter of mispronunciation, but at the wrong time in the wrong place. Oh my God, fair enough. Now, you're originally from New York City. Yes, I am. But you came out to uh, good old Tucson, Tucson, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, to learn massage at the Desert Institute of Healing Arts, and you fell in love with the joint, right? Absolutely. And it's mountains. Yes. At, at the time, I was working at an internet company, and... Everybody was getting laid off. We were bought out. The entire company was being laid off, and I was the last person left. I was a dispatch technician um, covering basically everything from southern Jersey to New Haven, Connecticut, out to Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I said, you know what? If I'm not laid off at the end of the year, I'm just going to go. I wanted to get into something working right. with people, and mm -hmm. massage seemed to be it. And Tucson at the time had the best school that was in that the was country. So in the country. How about that? That's where I went. <laughs> well, you did well, because then you started your company in 2014, wasn't it? 2014. Yes, it was. As a consulting hypnotist. 
Correct. Doing both massage and hypnosis with a lovely name, Soul Shine of Tucson. Right. That's the name of your business. Yes. Soul Shine. <laughs> Soul Shine. Da, 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 da. Let's talk about. That actually uh, comes from a song. It's from the Auburn Brothers. Is it really? Yes, it is. <laughs> what is a consulting hypnotist? Basically, it's not much of a real differentiation from um, what you would say uh, hypnotherapy or a regular hypnotist. Uh, basically, it's just what you want to call yourself. Different states, different municipalities have different rules, whether they can call you a hypnotherapist or just a hypnotist. Um, and it's really just a designation, hmm. so you're not really lumped into stage hypnosis. I was going to say, you know, how does that terminology, hypnotist, uh, compare with the stage hypnotist? The straight hypnotist, that's usually more the stage hypnotist or the street hypnosis. That's what people are linking to. Um, consulting hypnotist, hypnotherapy, people realize it's more of a therapeutic. Yeah, that's a fitting, right. um, really healing exactly. uh, modality, isn't it? Yes. Whereas, now, now this has become very popular, street hypnotist. Uh, yes. Has an idea um, of what they do, you know. Well, uh, there are a lot of mentalists out there uh, also using the same techniques like Darren Brown, um, really kind of tricking the mind into thinking a certain way, acting a certain way, um, which kind of gives a false attitude toward hypnosis mm -hmm. because, quite frankly, you can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do with hypnosis. No, that's true. Right. But um, these guys can stop you in the street and... and right. Literally, it's, literally it's they do tricks all the time. Hallucination. Exactly. Right. Um, the very... Uh, Deepest parts of hypnosis trance will allow for those negative or positive hypnosis. Um, that's where the street hypnosis will tell you, uh, all right, you'll come out and you won't see your watch. You won't even know it's there. And the guy still has his watch on, but he looks down. He's like, where's my watch? Hey, who's got it? And they think somebody stole their watch. And that causes the show and everything else. Um, not anything I do. <laughs> but, 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 but the part that gets me is, is how does he quickly hypnotize somebody in the street like that Well, to get them that far? You know what I mean? The watch is a watch. You can feel it, see exactly. it. Exactly. It's all the person's mind. Especially on the street, you come up to somebody, you're watching a show, you're coming in, you want to enjoy it, you want to be a part of it. So you're willing to go down into this. It, it's like any other show when they have the stage hypnotist. And he's bringing people up on stage. Mm -hmm. He's bringing the most susceptible people that are going under. He's keeping the ones that are playing along. Well, this has always fascinated me because I, I don't know how they do it, man. But when you've got 8, 10, 12 people sitting in a row on a stage. Right. And then they're all doing these crazy things. Well, I used to think, oh, they're all actors. They're all part of it. Well, in a way, because here's what they're doing. He's telling them that you're the star of the show. So once he's told them that you're the star of the show, well, it's not that they want to be a chicken. They just want to be a better chicken than that guy. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's down to that. It's, it's, it's just like any acting role. If uh, you're an actor and you got a bit part as like a homeless guy on a sitcom for like five seconds on the screen, you're going to put your all into it because you want the callback. You want to be known as the star. So these people are doing the same thing. They're putting their all into it. Well, that's a nice explanation of that. Thank you. I've got Certainly. a much better idea now. Uh, you're also a certified hypnosis instructor. Yes, I okay, am. Okay, so what's the big difference there then? Um, basically, I've just been trained in order to 
do the schooling. Um, it's quite a comprehensive uh, um, course. It uh, goes into the history, how to do hypnosis, um, counterindications, things we shouldn't touch. Because um, a lot of people aren't psychologists or they mm -hmm. aren't able to go that deep and understand the problems. But all we're really doing as a hypnot or consulting hypnotist is allowing people to make the change that they want to make. Um, it's locked in there. Uh, what we're doing with the subconscious mind is the subconscious mind is our status quo. It's what keeps us doing exactly what we always do. So when we want to make that change, we got to make that change in the subconscious. Because mm -hmm. the subconscious is, it's our autopilot, it's automatic. Everything that we do that we don't have to think of, the subconscious it's is in there regardless of. anyway, yeah. Do you think that overall that hypnotherapy is uh, coming out of the dark ages? I believe so. I think it's being accepted a lot more, a lot more readily. I think a lot more people are less nervous about it. Um, a lot of people thought that they were giving up control, that they were being told how to do something or what to do. And it's really not like that at all. It's really making the change that you want to make. Uh, Clint Perry, I want to ask you about um, Junior Achievement. They're a pretty darn good organization with the work that they do. You're a volunteer with them. Uh, what you were, or you still are, which one? Yeah, it's been a little bit of time since I, I okay, taught in the classroom, them, but right. I was on the board at uh, some time and then had uh, many years of teaching in the classroom. Okay, so in, in a short paragraph for me, how do you define Junior Achievement? What do they do? Well, the essence of it, they teach the principles of free enterprise and economics to, uh, to students. I mean, really teaching them about uh, how the world works. Um, they start very basic from, you know, a family, individual family, mm -hmm. up to, uh, to a community, uh, to a city, uh, to a, a state, a country, and the world. And they really, that's an evolution. They take uh, each level, age level through um, and just really teaching them how things work, how money works, how the... The economy works, and it's, it's an amazing program. It sounds very much like uh, exactly what life's about. It really is. So uh, must be some good results come out of that. Uh, absolutely. No question. Gives them good founding. Speaking of family and kids, you got four. Yes. Okay, and a wife, Christy. Yes. And you're a sports fan, right? Yes. Uh, you want to tell us who? <laughs> oh, everything. Well, I, I'm a big college fan, so I'm. Um, you know, for me, obviously, living here in, in sure. Tucson, you've got to be a, you've got to be a U of A fan. You've got to be a bear down boy, right? That's right. <laughs> Let's talk about business. Focus HR is a Tucson-based HR outsourcing firm. Now, but you solve problems in the areas of human resources, workers' comp, employee benefits, safety, and payroll. What, what is your goal for these businesses that you deal with every day? I think simply it's two goals, really. First of all is to reduce their overall costs and their overall labor costs. Uh, second really is to reduce their employee-related liability. Um, those are two big issues that uh, we try to focus on and uh, in overall and trying to find a solution for them. And if we can sort of help uh, unstrap the business owner or those employees that are sort of tied down with a lot of this transactional HR stuff that right. just 
simply slows business down and doesn't earn them a dime of revenue, then we can usually accomplish that. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It hand ties them, basically. It ties yeah. their wrists up and their darn feet. You've got over 300 clients or so in southern Arizona. Uh, they have access to a team of HR professionals and a, a cloud-based HR system that saves money and time. What do your clients have to say about all of that? Well, you can ask them, but, uh, you know, they'll tell you most of them, I think you talk to them, they'll tell you it's one of the best business decisions they've really made. Um, you know, most right now, they, uh, the way that uh, HR is sort of handled right now in organizations, it's pretty fragmented, very reactive, uh, definitely not strategic. So for them, this was a really a, um, an amazing solution where they can um, sort of liberate themselves from uh, all this, uh, again, HR transactional things and uh, focus on growing their business, which is really what they're in business to do. When it comes to all sorts of companies, have you had lawyers? Yeah, you know, it's on your database? I, um, I, to be honest with you right now, I think we've had have attorneys on our, uh, mm -hmm. at one point, or if we still do. I'd, It'd be specialized, I, I, wouldn't it? It would, you know, we, it's interesting. We've got so the, the, if you look at the list of clients right now, it's so diverse, um, you know, ranging from certainly all the different kinds of, you know, construction trades, mm -hmm. uh, we've got retail, um, services, professional services, um, uh, we've got staffing firms. Um, we, we have, uh, we have a horse track. I mean, the, the gamut is quite uh, wide. Um, so, which tells you again, when you when you have people, you have problems. And so <laughs> that applies to any kind of business. It's not really specific to any sort of industry or any uh, particular uh, you know, niche. And do you, um, do you turn over a lot of stuff in your game, Tim, or, or do you manage to keep them? And if you do turn them over, uh, is it hard to find good stuff? In today's market, it's really hard to find good staff. The odds are the good employees are working for somebody else right now. And the business that Clint does, that's a great resource for especially smaller business owners that uh, can't afford in-house counsel. Right. Uh, hiring a company like Clint's is a nice resource for those small business owners because they can get a lot of resources, training, manuals, policies, procedures, and advice for a fraction of the cost. As much as I know I'm good at my job, I'm not cheap and I'm definitely not the cheapest lawyer in town. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer you get what you pay for. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, I run a business just like Clint and mm -hmm. Ray do. Mm -hmm. And I, I sometimes say to people, employees are great when they're great and they suck when they suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when they're not very good, uh, you need to be able to be proactive. Uh, about trying to get them back on track. And I have employers all the time that say, you know, hey, look, I've got a problem employee, what do I do? Well, first thing I say is document, document, document. You need to make sure that you're documenting the issues. And, mm -hmm. and doing that is not necessarily, the purpose of it isn't necessarily to get them fired. The purpose of it is to get them back on track. Right. When you hired them, you hired them for a reason. And presumably, if they've been with you a while, they excelled or did their job well for, mm -hmm. for a period of time. And like everybody in life, there's bumps in the roads. Things Course. happen. Yeah. And, uh, Ray, you, you were telling me, I think, when I first researched with you, you get every sort of uh, person coming in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're not just talking hypnotherapy for health, a lot mm -hmm. of stress through business guys. Absolutely. But even massage. 
Uh, right. You know, I mean, I think it's wonderful. If I'd love to have one a week if I could, <laughs> because it really does relax one's uh, all the joints, all of the muscles, and Absolutely. all of the um, you know the the, the meridians. Uh, right. I mean, it's it's it is a basic need. It's it's a part of us as being humans that we need to be touched, um, and it's something that we don't put enough value in. Uh, I think just for our own well-being, um, keeping ourselves healthy, relaxed, confident. Um, I think we really need that. And if we're not getting it anywhere else, <laughs> if you're single and you need come get a massage, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the advantages, do you think, Clint, to small business owners if they're going to outsource HR? Well, the way I think I could probably categorize it maybe in three main areas. So first of all, would just be money. Um, you think about how much money right now they're they're spending and handling all this all these things. Uh, um, you know, and they they may have a workers' comp rate that may be a little bit high. They right. have a, a state unemployment rate that may be a little high. That you know, business owners are are busy, right? And they've got a for, you know, they've got many plates they're trying to spin and they're trying to grow a business and trying to keep track of all this stuff and you know where their money's actually going in the business is tough enough. Um, so you know, in terms of costs, uh, HR just costs a lot. So these things add up fast, um, especially when it's reactive HR that can even add to the cost. And I think uh, the second area where they can really gain advantage is just time. You know, how much is your time worth as a business owner? How much is your employee's time worth? Um, you know, if you are looking at what you're doing now, where would it be better invested that would actually grow the business? Grow the business. Instead of doing things that are not earning you uh, any revenue. And then I think the third area uh, is really risk, um, just mitigating risk. You know, we live in a very, you know, we live, certainly live in a litigious society, but you know, these laws are changing. You know, sort of Tim alluded to that, but these laws are changing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to stay at risk of that, and, and, everything there's, else. There's, so there's there's just mm-hmm. naturally inherent risk in running a business, but uh, if I can mitigate my risk and I can focus on business growth and I can get back some time and ultimately save some money. Uh, that's a pretty good value proposition, I think, for business owners. So you become really like a, a trusted partner, a silent partner, if you like, to uh, businesses. If they, if you, uh, sure. You know, I mean, they can really, rely on you and trust you. Yeah, it's, you know, look, business owners uh, this day and age have got plenty on their plate. They need to find strategic partners that really understand uh, the business and their specialty in business. Uh, and I, th- I think there's a lot of wisdom in, um, you know, uh, CEO that I worked for once said, uh, do what you do best all the time and do what you don't do best none of the time. And I think there's great wisdom in that and um, thinking about what do you do best as a business owner and focus all your energies and strengths on that because that's right. ultimately what's going to drive more revenue and mm-hmm. ultimately build your bottom line. Yeah, I noticed today too, a lot of businesses, business guys, uh, more than ever uh, turning to coaches, you know, uh, than they've yeah, ever they done before. Um, talking of trust and what have you, Tim, your firm uh, attorneys have a reputation of being relentless advocates, but trusted advisors and valued business partners. How do you measure success overall? By my client's success. Uh, if they're successful, I'm happy, I'm successful. And I'm a big believer in uh, having an honest uh, relationship with my clients. I, I'm old school as a lawyer. I tell clients, I can't help you if you don't 
don't call me. But if you call me, I promise you, if we can handle it in-house, we will. But if there's a better resource, whether it be an HR company or somebody else, uh, a different lawyer outside my firm, I'm going to refer you uh, right away. And that's how you build trust uh, with your clients. From what I've been able to research, you focus on preventative counseling, objective advice, and guiding your clients towards strategies for mitigating risk while efficiently and effectively conducting business in a legal, compliant manner. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, and i got an opening in my marketing department. You want to help me out? (laughs) (laughs) You could afford me. (laughs) Tell me, what advice do you give new clients? So, you know, basically I tell new clients, you need a good, as we were just talking about with Clint, you need to have good strategic partners in your corner. You need a good lawyer. You need a good accountant. You need a good banker. You need a good insurance agent. And you want to make sure that each of those people are working together with you. Um, And as me as a lawyer, I tell clients all the time, you're better off hiring a HR company uh, than you are hiring me because they can help you with your day-to-day management, providing you those policies and procedures. Hmm. Uh, You're better off hiring a good insurance agent that's going to evaluate what your risks are. Should I get an employment practices liability insurance policy, for instance? Yeah, there's all these things to think of, isn't it? You know, enough insurance. What's uh, CGL, EPLI, DNO? What's all that jazz? Sure. Uh, CGL is commercial general liability insurance. So all business owners, once you have brick and mortar and you have clients coming to your place of business like Ray does, uh, okay. you want to have CGL mm-hmm. so that if somebody trips and falls, trips and falls you're or covered slips, for that loss. Yeah. And then you got malpractice insurance to the extent that uh, you per you know, in Ray's case, um, somebody says, hey, you put your hands on me to give me a massage and you threw out my back or something. So oh. You might need to have malpractice insurance. Have you ever had that, Ray? Have you? No. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Luckily. Well, you've been fortunate so far then, yes. have you? That's just really good at you, his job. Um, <laughs> yeah, very good at your job. Not so much. I mean, we take precaution. We very, you know, polite, courteous, mm-hmm. take precaution not to be offensive in any way, not to invite that. Um, if there was anything that even remotely seemed that way, well, you ask people, I would excuse you? myself. You do questions and all of that before you start. Absolutely, sir. So, yeah, man, the guy's got a slip disc or something and they don't tell you. Right. You know, yeah, that's totally <laughs> out of my scope. <laughs> it's a bit different to you. Uh, let's, Tim, let me ask you this. My business is doing well. Should I hire an employee or an independent contractor? So it depends on your circumstances. One of the benefits of an independent contractor is you can avoid payroll taxes. Ah. Uh, You also don't have to pay paid sick leave uh, to an independent contractor. Um, And there's an Arizona statute that came out about two and a half years ago that if you put it in writing with the person, there's a presumption that they're going to be an independent contractor so long as you meet the threshold requirements in ARS 23-1601. So for a lot of reasons, independent contractors are the right first step for small businesses. But then again, the problem with an independent contractor, you lose control, you're not able to set when work gets done, how it gets done, whereas you may need that for your business. Um, yeah. And so but you're not you giving me anything. Do. I got no benefits. I've got no health. Right. You can't have everything in it. Right, right. Well, that, that's why it's sometimes the right decision, right, as a small business owner. So what is at-will employment? Is it different than right to work? Yeah, it is. At-will is basically an employer and or employee can quit for any reason at any time with or without notice. Right to work basically means that you have the right to join a labor union or not join a labor union. So they're totally different. Mm. I bet you there's not many that understand that clearly. It happens. You know? uh, people get confused quite a bit between the two. One of the most common claims that you see filed or brought against employers that come in through your doors. 
Uh, wage claims are prim- primarily the biggest claim, and a lot of small business owners don't. They purchase employment practices liability insurance, but it doesn't necessarily cover those wage claims because you need to purchase a, a rider that covers wage claims. So it's important as small business owners that you talk to your insurance agent to make sure you're getting good coverage. And wage claims are primarily the biggest claims that small businesses face. Well, if you can, give us an example. Sure. Um, so uh, you have an employee that uh, is entitled to a bonus if they hit certain numbers for right. your business. And then you, as a business owner, decide not to pay a bonus to that employee, for instance. And the employee then brings a claim against you for unpaid wages for that bonus that they were entitled but to. But it'd be in writing, wouldn't it? Uh, typically, but it not always is, uh, Mark. You'd be surprised. In fact, I had, uh, I've had a case go to trial where there was a dispute as to whether the bonus was due or owing or, or not. Um, because it wasn't in writing. Well, yeah, that'd be lousy. I wouldn't want to work for somebody who left that again. <laughs> what about Prop 206? Um, MW, paid sick time. I guess that comes a lot into your uh, wheelhouse as well. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, it's a big, big issue. Obviously, Prop 206 is responsible for the minimum wage that we have in our state now at $11 an hour. It's going to jump to $12 an hour January 1st of next year, and then it'll be subject to a cost of living increase potentially every year after that on January 1st. And what about the $15 mark, though? Um, so that's the federal one that's being considered right now with some step up from 725 to 15, but Arizona hasn't enacted a minimum wage at that level. Okay. And right. then the other part of Prop 206 is that it sets uh, paid sick leave. It's a requirement for all employers in the state of Arizona. Whether you have one employee or 100 employees or more, mm-hmm. you have to provide paid sick leave now in the state of Arizona. There is a small employer reduction. If you have less than 15 employees, then you only have to provide 24 hours of paid sick leave in the year, uh, whereas if you're over 15 employees, you have to provide at least 40 hours of paid sick leave every year. Well, talking of sick leave, I have an employee with uh, health issues. What can I do? So that's that's a really uh, interesting question. It can um, go a lot of different ways. It depends on uh, is there illness or sickness caused by something at work, like workers' comp might be triggered with the workers' comp coverage. Do you have more than 50 employees? If you do, then the Family Medical Leave Act is going to be in play, and you're going to have to see if they've got a serious medical condition that might require coverage and protection under that statute. And are they disabled uh, under the Americans with Disability Act? If you've got 15 or more employees and it constitutes a disability, which, frankly, nowadays, pretty much everything constitutes a disability (laughs) with the amendment that happened in 2009. And you've got to comply with that statute, which means engaging in the interactive process. I I wonder how many business guys start off, really, who don't have, you know, wouldn't know 80 percent of the stuff you've talked about today. Uh, Almost all of them are that way. And it (laughs) gets back to to what Clint was talking about earlier. You you know, most business owners have a great idea or are able to provide a great service like Ray. So they're good at that. And as as Clint said, you know, do what you're good at 100 percent of the time. Right. But mm-hmm. they have no idea what any of these other issues are. So if you're going to go into business with a partner, for instance, you want to form a, an entity of some kind so that you protect your personal assets from the business if there's a claim made against the business. Right. Um, and then you want to make sure you have a good partnership agreement if you have a partner. Um, so just like a marriage, um, everybody goes in it thinking it's going to be 
awesome, right? But then if things go south, mm -hmm. it's good to have a written agreement so that you can deal with the issues when they do go south. Well, that's life, isn't it? I mean, um, Clint, you meet a lot of guys, you deal with a lot of men and women in business today. Uh, how do most business owners deal with uh, the HR issues they're up against? What do they share with you? What, what do they? Well, I think from our experience, uh, it's, it's very reactive. It's certainly not proactive. It's not strategic. Uh, they have not a plan for these things, thought about these things. Um, and so they're usually they're responding to a crisis, to an issue that comes up, uh, employee conflict or some other thing that's, you know, it's happened um, you know, that they didn't really plan for. And so, um, you know, they'll uh, certainly they can you know, try to get some advice from friends and things really have been. That's why we got great attorneys like Tim that you can call. Uh, sometimes they've even heard they call their CPA. Uh, but, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, that a lot of the, they just I would say they're kind of in the state of unconscious incompetence. They just don't know what they don't know. Um, and, and understandably so. They have you know, they don't have really any background or experience. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got an idea, they've got a product or a service, and, and they're doing really good at that, and, and that's what they're passionate about, and that's why they got into business. But, uh, and then of course, then things, they grow, and then they start bringing on employees. But uh, a lot of these things they just don't think about, and right. they, they're just trying to keep, keep the business growing and keep uh, prospering. Uh, but have no idea at all uh, in terms of the realm of at least human resources. And mm. that's a big, big term there uh, and all, all that that entails. You're listening to Tucson Means Business on the Tucson Business Radio X Network. And we're broadcasting live here from the Stuart Title uh, Building, the corporate offices on Broadway. And we're proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club with beautiful rooms for weddings or for any function at all. You could just about, whether it's a bar mitzvah, a birthday party, a wedding, an anniversary, whatever, uh, between the pavilion and the other rooms now at the beautiful Rincon Grill, you do have uh, private places to have these functions and uh, there's plenty of room. Check it out. Speak to uh, Mackenzie Taylor. Give her a call and see what you'd like to do. And the food is amazing, and they'll do what they want to do for you. And uh, we're speaking with Clint Parry, Focus HR. We have Tim Medkoff from uh, uh, Farhang Medkoff, and we have Ray Yurchik from his uh, sweet little business called Soulshine. He'll just rick your neck and break your back any time at all. <laughs> but I tell you what, you come out fit. <laughs> and you mate, eh? Outsourcing. What does HR outsourcing look like? Clint, break it down for me. So I think the best way, you know, the best visual image props to break it down would be looking at sort of the employee life cycle. Um, you know, you first start off with bringing on an employee. You, you go out to the hiring process and um, we call it talent acquisition is the formalized oh, uh, talent acquisition uh, uh, term in the industry. But, uh, you know, ultimately you're trying to find good people. And um, that's not easy these days, especially in record low unemployment. Um, you know, we're not. It's funny, isn't it? It's either a feast or a famine, right? That's right. In the industry. Um, and many times it's a sort of right now, it's a kind of a spray and pray sort of approach. <laughs> and uh, they'll put out as many sort of ads and as many places as they can and just, you know, again, pray they get the right person. But Well, well, well we're talking about here Arizona, but what? The ads are all across the country trying to find staff, right? No, it could be. I mean, and, and bringing them in. They have to bring them in. Uh, you know, when you when you want somebody, 
and you're desperate enough, especially if it's a, certainly a high-level position. You know, many times you can't be can't be just uh, landlocked here to Arizona. You got to look outside. Um, so anyway, so start really outsourcing HR starts with the acquisition of talent and how do you do that and. Uh, there's some strategies and some technology that can really make that process much more efficient um, and and just getting some best practices in from some experts that really know. Then you onboard your employees, you bring them in. Uh, of course, they got to go through all the, and right now that's a pretty paperwork intensive process. Um, mm-hmm. um, and thankfully now there's some technology that can just make that an electronic workflow. So you, you know, have people trying to fill out an I-9 that sometimes takes an associate's degree to figure out. <laughs> yeah. and you don't want to you know, then make a mistake or skip the box. And uh, they've, got, of course, got to do their tax elections. And, and then you um, they want to have them review an employee handbook or any other things that you want. Okay. Because it's an onboarding process. And then ultimately, I get them onto payroll. And, and you know, and payroll isn't rocket, rocket science by any means. But, you know, the first way to tick off somebody one of your new employees is not to pay them correctly. And, <laughs> um, right. But so there's, once they're on the payroll, then you look at employee benefits, um, sort of the next policy. And there's a whole whole litany of administration around that, uh, getting them, there's an election period and uh, uh, looking at getting them, you know, before they actually can get enrolled onto the plan. Sometimes that starts right away. Sometimes you have a 60 day waiting period. And then once you get them on the plan, they've got to select the plan and there's trying to help them through that. And oh, wow. of course things change, right? A lot of they get married, yeah. they get, you know, whatever. Mm, a lot of um, steps. A lot but, of steps. Um, you call people back. You do the right thing, do you? Because a lot don't. Yeah, sure. You know, look, we're a, I think uh, what kind of distinguishes us, we're a local firm. Um, like the other uh, gentlemen here, we're, uh, we're sort of a boutique firm where we get really deep and I think and build some great relationships with our clients. We're a local number. Um, you talk to a live person when you call. Um, so I think that relationship really makes a difference. I think it does too. It's very, very important. Uh, Tim, I want to uh, let go an employee. But he's over the age of 40. What should I do? So the first thing you want to make sure you got good documentation. Uh, and and even though it's an at, maybe an at-will employment situation, you still want to make sure you've got good legitimate business reasons for the action that you're taking. Because if a lawsuit or claims brought at some point a year to a year and a half later, somebody on the judge or jury is going to be looking at that and analyzing, did you have a good reason to let them go, mm-hmm. even though they're at will? Um, because at the end of the day, the people that sit on juries oftentimes are all employees too, or have been employees at some point in their career. Right, right. And then when they're over the age of 40, if you decide you're going to let them go, you need to evaluate, am I going to offer a severance or separation package to that employee? And if you are, then you need to make sure that you have what's called protections that the Older Workers Benefit Protection Act requires. So for instance, you got to give the person 21 days to review the the separation agreement, seven days to sign it and then revoke their signature, uh, and some other protections that the statute requires, all of which is important to have a lawyer look at that as opposed to cut and pasting something off the internet, um, which I know Clint (laughs) in his his world sees quite a bit. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah? See, right? Um, No stuff, period. (laughs) Uh, Basically, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) (laughs) well, I think your um, better half or the other half is your partner right. in the business. Well, um, actually, just like <laughs> Tim here, uh, I started the business with my wife. 
Um, and the business has worked out better than the marriage. Uh, we did get a divorce, but we do still both have the business together. Uh, I guess we love the business and what we do a little bit better than each other. <laughs> and uh, business is still doing great. Um, one thing I, I do want to ask you guys is, uh, when I sit down with a client, I have an intake form, and they tell me what they're coming for. And a lot of times, as I'm discussing it with them, it's not exactly what was in the form. And I think a lot of people, <clears throat> when they're um, applying for a job, I always wonder how the whole resume thing goes forward now. Back when I was doing it, was what paper would you putting it on? What font were you using? <laughs> you know, is it a good weight paper? They're going to recognize that. Mm. And now everything's online. How do you weed? <clears throat> excuse me, weed through all that. Yeah, good question. To get to someone that really is someone you want, rather than just hey, it looks good on paper. Well, I can jump in and take uh, take a crack at that. You know, right now, um, yeah, you'll get. I know some of our clients will get hundreds, literally, of resumes, and it's it's almost impossible to kind of weed through all of those at least manually. But the great thing uh, about now is that uh, we've got some great technology that um, we'll sift through, we'll scan and, and pull out certainly keywords and really um, um, allow the hiring manager, individual, the business owner, whatever that is, to kind of um, sift through and look for key things that they really want to extract out that are important, um, whether it's experience or certain skills that they have mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but it, it makes either they can they can put in sort of certain criteria that can again sort of sift out a lot of the things that they, you know the noise if yeah. you will to get down to the to the few vital thing a few right. vital ones that they really want to take a look at. Yeah, and I would say that uh, before you even start analyzing the applications that you get, is sit down yourself and figure out what what do I want out of this person? What are, what are the key factors that I think you need to have traits skills. Uh, attitude, whatever it is, mm -hmm. to succeed in this job, right? Uh, and identify that before you sit down and start looking at the applications that you receive. Uh, you know, obviously, none of us have the formula or secret to the success. If we did, we wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, right? We'd be marketing that and making a lot of money. Um, but if once you've established what's important, then it's um, sitting down and asking the, the person uh, about specific questions that will allow you to evaluate if they meet those traits or characteristics right. that you you believe you need to succeed for that job. And then there's some other tools that you might be able to take advantage of, like personality uh, mm -hmm. tests um, can oftentimes be a nice tool in, to have in your uh, quiver of arrows. Right. Uh, and then potentially having them just come in and work with a client and have you observe right, to see right. how, if for your profession, for instance, how are they? Are they really a people person or not? Or are they mm -hmm. just putting on a show? Um, and then a couple other things that I do is I typically have them go to an interview, drive, how people drive tells you a lot about how they are as a person. <laughs> and, and then also, um, how do they treat staff uh, at the restaurant? Because if they're dismissive of whoever's helping them, that might be a character flaw right. that you might not pick up on on just a in-office interview. Right, right. So just there a couple other tips for you. These things you <laughs> never would have thought of, right? right. Uh, what type of ailments uh, for you, Ray, mostly do your clients come in for help for these days? Uh, well, there's a lot of the usual, the weight loss, the stop smoking. Um, in fact, I'm a little surprised. A lot of uh, hypnotists have been not wanting to do the smoking. And I, I'm a little, I don't understand that because to me, I mean, a doctor is 
I've always said, if I could do one thing for you, it's to get you to stop smoking. And to get people to stop smoking is so important for their health. Mm-hmm. I feel it a privilege. <laughs> so yeah. it's, um, it's I don't really discourage any reason to come. Um, if you want to make a change, no matter what that is, um, it's in everywhere. Whether it's sports, learning enhancement, uh, just the way you look at yourself, the way you feel about yourself. It's all a progress, and it's all just letting that subconscious know that this is who I want to be. This is the right person. So what made you study to be a licensed massage therapist along with specializing in uh, therapeutic massage? I mean, this includes Swedish, Shiatsu, Thai, and Reiki too, right? You do Reiki as well. It it has been a bit of a process. Yeah. Uh, I was in an internet company, like I said, and I just really wanted to work with people. Um, I was just working with routers, zeros and ones, and I was like, I want to work with people. I thought about chiropractic. It was a little too much school at the time. And the massage was a fast track that I could get in there and start working. I did some Reiki, moved on, and the hypnosis came as as an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, he just wanted me to go and take uh, do some street hypnosis. That was his goal. <laughs> right. And I said, I ain't taking a class. I don't have the time, the money. I'm a busy guy. I can't do it. But like any friend, he wore me down. And when I went to the class, it was a regular hypnosis class. Right. And once I could see everything that was used for, I was amazed. And um, just, I mean, in the business sector, um, CEOs, they go to hypnotists, working on their own um, confidence, their memory retention. A lot of these people have to go in front of people and talk. And that is the biggest fear that there is. It's a bigger fear than death. Well, I meet a lot of people in this line of work. Of <laughs> I'm just surprised half of them, you know, can't put two words after each other. And they've got top jobs. It amazes me. Right. <laughs> what about uh, you're a chairman of the NGH Southern Arizona chapter. What's the goal there? Well, um, all the hypnotists in the area, um, I'm trying to get them together to meet um, semi-regularly. It's a little bit of a trick to do that. But um, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. I want to make sure we're all doing something, something that's good, something that's useful to the community. I don't want there to be bad hypnotists out there. Uh, it's a kind of closed thing. It's not like a doctor where you go into this doctor and you're like, yeah, I don't really like him. I'm going to go to another one. Most people, they go to a hypnotist, and if it didn't work out for them, well, hypnotist is wrong. Hypnosis doesn't work. Yeah, right. Yep. Instead of what well, you paint one brush with everybody, sort of thing. Yeah, and not to blame it on the hypnotist either, because basically, even if everyone is hypnotizable, okay, it's a natural state. You have to be willing to go into that state. If you don't trust the person you're with, you're not going to go there. Right. If you have something, nope, I'm just not going to let it happen. It won't. So it's putting the person at ease, gaining their trust. Making them know we're doing something that you want to do. Well, the funny thing is, uh, from what I understand, we actually go into hypnotists ourselves in under trance, uh, maybe two, three times a day. Absolutely. On our own. Right. And subconsciously. Right. Uh, The key uh, example is if you've ever driven somewhere and you're pulling in and you don't remember that drive, 
that was hypnosis. That was you hitting your autopilot. <laughs> your body knew exactly what to do when it hits that red light, and it did it. There you go. <laughs> now, you're starting some classes, right? Yes. This is at the center. Where is Soulshine, by the way? Uh, Soulshine is 5405 East Pima. East Pima. Which is just west of Craycroft. Okay. Now, what's, what's the idea behind this? What are the classes going to do for people? Well, uh, the classes I'm doing are certification classes right now. That's if you want to become a hypnotist. Um, the class actually certifies you, so you're a member of the NGH. Uh, the NGH does give support, um, has reference, and really stands behind their people a little bit better than most of the other organizations that I've heard about or been into contact with. And uh, it's really for anybody that wants to help themselves, um, even uh, psychologists, doctors, uh, dentists all have reasons that they could use this to help their own practice. Uh, even people in uh, business that want to help their employees could do some hypnosis to help their employees to grow and have better confidence, better uh, abilities. Mm -hmm. There you go. So it's pretty diverse, isn't it, really? Absolutely. The whole business. It's coming close to a close. I want to ask you this, Clint, if I may. By the way, uh, listeners, all of the information and the bios and photographs of uh, my wonderful guests today are online. They're up there forever on the Tucson Business Radio X site. And uh, when you go to the site, all you've got to do is just uh, go through, uh, press on which uh, particular uh, podcast you'd like to listen to, and this one perhaps, Tucson Means Business. Uh, it'll be the latest one at the moment. And uh, then you can have a uh, good look at the addresses, the website addresses, all of the links, uh, phone numbers, everything else you need if you'd like to speak to them personally. How does Focus HR differentiate itself from all the big guys? I want to ask you that, Clint, in closing, basically. Well, I think for us, you know, we see our clients as sort of the big fish in the small pond and uh, maybe uh, vice versa. And so, um, you know, it's every client for us is, is important, of course, um, but we just developed that really personal relationship with them. Um, you know, we're, we're a, uh, you dial a local number, you get a local person. Uh, I think we're a custom shop in that uh, we are not trying to fit somebody into a certain one, two or three option that doesn't simply work for them for the sake um, of getting for the sake of getting, getting the transaction right. so yeah. um, I think when you look all in all up at that um, you know we're here to provide a solution that's going to flex and grow with them as they grow and um, again you're joining a you know you're joining a, a market here a, a lot of other clients uh, through over 300 companies here locally so you're accessing that kind of buying volume and um, leverage to uh, really help you, you know, grow your business hmm Fascinating. Well, you wouldn't be doing as well as what you are, www.focushr.net, and that particular one. Um, it's interesting, your world, isn't it? Very interesting. It is. Um, you know, it's, you know, and it's changing, it's dynamic, uh, sort of, you know, and Tim alluded to, uh, we, you know, again, seeing continuous change in the laws and right. continuous regulations coming out, and, and the world of business is just dynamic as it is. So, how, you know, ultimately a business owner has got to figure out how they're going to manage all this and deal with all this. <laughs> well, speaking day. of that, I mean, my last question for you, Tim, is this given all of the legal pitfalls, uh, and we've probably scared away half a dozen today, I'll tell you. <laughs> How can a small business owner survive? Well, it comes down to the bottom, at the end of the day, delivering a superior product or service. If you focus on doing that, your business will succeed and you'll enjoy what you do. 
then you need to hire good professionals, good advisors, partners that have your back, that are really concerned about advancing your business and your interests. It's one of the reasons why I love Tucson. It's one degree of separation here. And we're a big, small town with a, a, a lot of entrepreneurs, as Clint kind of alluded to, that have great ideas like Ray and provide a great service. And they just need somebody that has their back that's going to give them good advice to, as Clint said earlier, help them understand what they don't know or, or don't even know that there's that pitfall out there. Right. And sometimes it's as simple as making sure that you're talking to the right insurance agent and that you've got right insurance so that if a peril happens, you know, that's why we buy insurance right when you yeah. need it it's 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 there it's there um and cover so, your butt do yeah. all the things tim has suggested you know tick them off the t's as they say the i's and the t's dub 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 dot farhang medcoff all one word dot com ray somebody you know thought about being hypnotherapist they want to help people uh you know maybe a massage i'm not sure what would you advise them i would say give me a call I'd love to talk to anyone about hypnosis. Uh, it's been something that's just so well, it's not for everyone, though, right? Uh, perhaps not, but, uh, but I have to say that, that yeah. um, I've been rewarded so many times with uh, just helping others. Um, I had some success stories that just really stand out and just have really made it so worthwhile. And... Uh, I, I'd like to share that with anyone. Yeah, good on you. Well, you'd feel pretty proud of yourself, wouldn't Absolutely. you? Thank you. <laughs> no, that's nice. You've helped uh, somebody. You've stopped pain. You've stopped them smoking. Right. They could live another 10 years, 15 years longer. Certainly. Uh, you've maybe got rid of phobias for them. Absolutely. All sorts of things. Of I think it's a wonderful thing. Good on you. Thank you. You keep it up. Great show today, and I'm very grateful uh, to Clint Parry. Uh, your designation is what now, Clint? What are you? What, what do you come under? Your your position per se at Focus HR. So, uh, business development manager. Business development HR. manager. All right. So you're you're the front line out there, right? Front line, right <laughs> in the trenches. Good on you, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Thank Clint. You. It's been Appreciate a pleasure it. having you, uh, Tim uh, Medcalf, uh, lawyer extraordinaire, and particularly for businesses. Man, you know a lot of stuff. But he's expensive, but he's worth it. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily expensive compared to my competitors, but definitely expensive compared to an HR right. consultant right. Uh, company like Clint's. Tim, you pay for what you get. Right. Definitely. There are, no, there are no shortcuts, mate, are there? No, there certainly there are. are not. And Ray Yurchik, thank you, mate. Uh, Solshine. Get that back fixed, neck fixed, soul fixed, eyes fixed, whatever you want. It's Absolutely. all happening out there. And you've been listening to Tucson Means Business, three terrific business guys doing it, getting the job done. We'll see you again. <laughs>